Much to Lincoln's chagrin, he could not get the newspapers to focus on the war in the West. However, the war in the West is where the Union Army saw most of their success, especially early on in the war. And one of those crucial breaking points in the war in the West was the Battle of Chattanooga. Chattanooga had the opportunity to make or break the Union Army that was stationed there under William S. Rosecrans until Ulysses S. Grant came in, creating the Cracker Line and saving the Union Army. Today we will recount that tale and we'll look at the dire straits the Union Army was in, the incredible position that the Confederate Army had, and how Bragg and his men failed to hold the position and gave Ulysses S. Grant and his men a way out and a way to victory in the West and finally, in the East. Hope you enjoy this story. Chattanooga was a town that was stationed on a railroad junction next to the Tennessee River in a plain located in the Cumberland Mountains. The city housed 2,000 residents and likely would have been of little significance had it not been for the battle that would take place there, immortalizing this railroad town in the pantheon of history. Located to the east of Chattanooga, two miles to be exact, sat Missionary Ridge. This ridge extended from Chickamauga Creek for 15 miles to Georgia. To the south of the city was Lookout Mountain. This was a ridge that ran from Chattanooga to Georgia for 85 miles. The highest point of Lookout Mountain protruded from the earth 1,800 feet into the sky. Situated opposite of Chattanooga across the Tennessee was a ridge named Walden's Ridge. The Army of the Cumberland, prior to Chattanooga, had suffered very severe casualties at the Battle of Chickamauga. Despite this, the Union soldiers of the Army of the Cumberland were in high spirits. There were roughly 35,000 Union soldiers stationed at Chattanooga under the command of General William S. Rosecrans. Rosecrans was toying with the idea of retreating. However, the powers that be in Washington, namely President Abraham Lincoln, ordered the Northern General to hold the city. The president also informed Rosecrans he would reinforce him at Chattanooga. Washington also ordered General William T. Sherman, General of the Army of the Tennessee, to take 20,000 men north from Vicksburg to Chattanooga. General Burnside, who had formerly commanded the Army of the Potomac, was also ordered by the War Department to reinforce Rosecrans. However, Burnside would not comply, and as a result, on September 20th of 1863, Union soldiers under Major General Oliver O. Howard the 11th Corps of the Army of the Potomac, and Major General Henry W. Slocum with the 12th Corps under the Army of Major General Joseph Hooker, another former commander of the Army of the Potomac, headed west to Chattanooga. Their journey would take just nine days. Meanwhile, in Bragg's army, following his smashing victory at Chickamauga, Confederate General Braxton Bragg began to move his army into place surrounding Rosecrans' men in Chattanooga on September 23rd. The Confederates positioned themselves on the high ground of Missionary Ridge, Lookout Mountain and the valleys of the Chattanooga Creek that were situated between the opposing armies. A Confederate Corps under General James Longstreet of Lee's Army in Northern Virginia was also stationed with Bragg for the time being. Bragg ordered Longstreet to the left of the Confederate line with the goal of this move to prevent the Union Army from accessing Lookout Mountain. Bragg also stationed a corps under John C. Breckinridge on Missionary Ridge. A corps under Leonidas Polk was stationed on the Confederate right to cut the city off from the north. The only access the northern soldiers had to Chattanooga was from the Tennessee River onto Walden's Ridge. Braxton Bragg then relieved several senior officers of command. 
In response to this, senior officers, 12 to be exact, sent the President of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, a petition to remove Bragg from command. Davis traveled to Chattanooga to deal with the discontent growing there among his rebel sons. Davis decided to keep Bragg in command and make some changes in the subordinate commanders. Hill was relieved of command and Buckner was moved from Corps Command to Division Command. General Hardy superseded Polk and brought a brigade to Chattanooga from Mississippi. Davis talked with Polk and Polk decided to transfer to Mississippi. Once Davis departed, Bragg promoted Breckinridge and Hardy to Corps Command and Longstreet continued to command his force from the east. Meanwhile, the Union supply faced many issues. While stationed in the city of Chattanooga, Rosecrans faced another issue, supply shortages. With the Confederates surrounding the Union position, it was difficult to get supplies to the Union troops. The primary resupply depot for the Union was stationed at Bridgeport, Tennessee. Bridgeport was situated on the Tennessee River, which Bragg controlled. Bragg and his Confederates also controlled the Nashville and Chattanooga Railroad. On the 2nd of October, Rosecrans ordered that troops' rations be cut by a third. This order was issued despite the fact that many Union regiments had already only been taking half rations. These rations consisted of rancid meat and hardtack. In addition to these diminishing rations, Confederate General Wheeler also led a raid that day and burned more than 400 Federal wagons. This served to only make the situation more dire for the Union troops in Chattanooga. That was until General Ulysses S. Grant took command. The Union Army also went about making command changes as their Confederate counterparts had done. McCook and Crittenden were relieved of their commands, and the 20th and 21st Corps were combined to create a new four corps. This corps was to be led by General Granger. Then in the middle of October, following his smashing success at Vicksburg, the Ohio-born Ulysses S. Grant was promoted and given command of the Department of the Mississippi. This gave Grant command of the land from the Appalachian Mountains to the Mississippi River. Grant, following this promotion, headed to Chattanooga and immediately removed Rosecrans from command. Rosecrans was replaced with General George Thomas, aka the Rock of Chickamauga. Thomas now commanded the Army of the Cumberland and General Palmer took command of the 14th Corps. And now Grant had to deal with the issue of the depleted Union soldiers at Chattanooga. To do this, Grant met with Thomas and Brigadier General William F. Baldy Smith. Smith was the chief engineer of the Army of the Cumberland and he devised a plan to break the Confederate siege. Smith suggested creating a route from Chattanooga on a road that ran west of the city, cross Moccasin Bend to Browns Ferry which rested on the Tennessee River. Parallel to Browns Ferry was Raccoon Mountain. A road passed through Cummings Gap and proceeded to Kelly's Ferry, and here a pontoon bridge was stationed which gave passage to the west side of the river and led to a Union Supply Depot at Bridgeport. The plan was simple, to push the rebels back from Brown's Ferry and establish a pontoon bridge there. After this, the Union troops would have to secure Cummings Gap, and this would allow the supplies to be brought in. So on the night of October 26th to 27th, Brigadier General William B. Hazen's brigade moved down the Tennessee and captured Brown's Ferry. The Confederates tried a counterattack but failed. Hooker then brought the 11th Corps and divisions of the 12th Corps under Brigadier General John W. Geary from Bridgeport and Cap Raccoon Mountain and Lookout Valley. These successful moves by the Union force under Grant opened what became known as the Cracker Line, and supplies began to pour in. 
In response to this, Bragg ordered Longstreet and his corps, along with Wheeler and his cavalry, to attack Knoxville in an attempt to move Burnside's Army of the Ohio from the eastern portion of Tennessee. While Longstreet protested, he was overruled and his move began on November 5th. With General James Longstreet on the move, Ulysses S. Grant devised a plan to attack Bragg. Grant's plan was threefold. First, to have Sherman move up the river and cross near Chickamauga Creek and attack the right flank of the Confederate Army. Secondly, to have Thomas demonstrate at the center of the Confederate line. And finally, to have Hooker attack the left flank of the Confederate line at Lookout Mountain and advance onto Missionary Ridge. This movement began on the 23rd of November. With Longstreet and Wheeler headed to face Burnside and Knoxville, the Confederate force was outnumbered. However, they did have a very solid defensive position, or so it appeared. Bragg placed Major General Carter Stevenson in command of Lookout Mountain's defenses. However, the defenses here seemed much better than they were, as they were poorly positioned so as to cover the Union approach. In addition to this, Bragg, on November 22nd, set Claiborne and Buckner's divisions to Knoxville, thus further depleting Breckenridge and the Confederate men in Chattanooga. In response to these moves, Grant and Thomas ordered General Wood, along with Sheridan's division and the 11th Corps under Howard, to take out Orchard Knob. The 20,000 Federal soldiers quickly defeated the 600 Confederates holding Orchard Knob, and in response, Bragg had Claiborne and Buckner return to reinforce the Rebel lines. The following day, November 24th, Grant ordered Hooker to, quote, take the point only if his demonstration should develop its practicability, end quote. Hooker ordered his men to assault Lookout Mountain, quote, if marching down the valley and sweeping every rebel from it, end quote. Hooker's three divisions attacked. General Greary, on the right side of the attack, moved across Lookout Creek with little resistance from the rebels. His men then ran into Brigadier General Edward C. Walthall's brigade. Geary and his men continued to move along the base of the mountain and pushed Walthall and his men back to the Craven's house. This gave the other two divisions of Hooker's the ability to cross Lookout Creek. On top of the mountain, meanwhile, Brigadier General John C. Brown and his brigade could not aid in the fight below. John C. Moore's Brigadier General brigade was brought forward to support Walthall and the fighting intensified. With Moore's brigade not enough, Stevenson then sent Brigadier General Edmund Pettus' brigade in. Then, a fog covered the mountain, which resulted in the battle being named the Battle Above the Clouds. The fighting continued during the afternoon. However, it soon occurred to Bragg that the holding of Lookout Mountain was untenable and he ordered Stevenson and his men to retreat behind Chattanooga Creek that night. That same day, Sherman had moved across the Tennessee River and taken control of what he believed to be the northern end of Missionary Ridge. However, he really captured a completely different hill, and upon realizing this, Sherman saw Confederates in his front and planned for an attack on Tunnel Hill the next day, his original target. The next morning, having decided to hold the position, Bragg moved Stevenson's men to the right end of the Confederate line to support Claiborne against Sherman. The following day, Sherman began his attack early in the morning, with Sherman's men struggling against Claiborne's men on Tunnel Hill. To help relieve pressure on Sherman, Grant had Hooker attack the right flank of the rebels at Missionary Ridge. Hooker's movement was delayed, however, by the crossing of the Chattanooga Creek and cost the Union about three hours. Confederates under Colonel James T. Holtzclaw tried to hold Roseville Gap before the Federals could grab it, but were beaten to the punch by Osterhaus' men. This allowed Hooker to move north with the rebel left flank and attack. 
Grant, frustrated by Sherman and Hooker's attacks, ordered Thomas to attack the rifle pits in front of Missionary Ridge. Thomas moved 23,000 men forward. The Union men quickly captured their objective. However, they did not stop there because they were left exposed to the Confederate fire. Choosing not to be cannon fodder to the Confederate guns, the Union soldiers continued their assault up the ridge. Higher and higher they climbed, as Grant was more and more furious when he saw the blue wave continuing to advance and stated, quote, somebody will suffer if they don't stay there, end quote. Grant's fears, however, were unfounded. The Federals swept the Confederates right off the ridge and easily captured the heights. The middle of Bragg's line was destroyed and they were forced to retreat in a panic I had never before witnessed, as Bragg himself stated. Grant wrote about the moment, quote, The retreat of the enemy along most of his line was precipitate, and the attack was so great that Bragg and his officers lost all control over their men, end quote. The majority of the rebels fled to the West Chickamauga Creek and the railroad that laid beyond the creek. Grant had Hooker attempt to follow the retreating Confederates. However, they stopped after they faced stiff resistance from Claiborne's rebels. The Union casualties of the Battle of Chickamauga were 5,824. Confederate casualties, 6,667. Bragg placed the blame for the defeat on Breckinridge and accused him of being drunk during the battle. Bragg also sent his resignation to President Jefferson Davis, which was accepted. General Hardee was given temporary command of the rebels until Joseph E. Johnston was given command of the Army of the Tennessee. Thank you for listening to this story on the Battle of Chattanooga. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please like, share, and subscribe, and follow for more content. We hope to see you next time.